Well, for eight weeks, we have been, uh, we've been taking on traditional religious stereotypes. We've done that. Things that we just kind of grew up religiously believing with having no foundation in the Bible. They're just traditions that we call Christian. And I'm not going to say that they're not Christian in a generic sense. But what we've been trying to do and hoping to do is just get into the Bible beyond my, just my tradition lineup with what the Bible says. Christianity, if, if it's anything, it is what it comes from the scriptures and brings to us. So I have to make a decision whether or not I'm going to believe the scripture or I'm going to believe my tradition. And, but I'm hoping that we will leave here at least realizing and seeing one thing, that this is what the Bible says. It's clear what the Bible says. And we've been talking about, you know, thinkings about our stereotypes that we brought into our lives about the Bible or prayer or evil, uh, any numbers of things. Can I know? How can you know that you're going to heaven? Well, the Bible says you can, and the Bible says you should, and that there should be certainty that you are either in Christ or not in Christ. You should be sure of those things. God, why? Because God wants you and me to be sure. He doesn't want us to be uncertain. And uh, so if those things are true, like I've been saying all these, all these weeks, if these things are true, then God does want us to know, and he's made it clear through the scripture. And, uh, and the big one is the one we're going to talk about tonight, I think, is the church. Uh, because most of us have attended church when we we're younger, we attend church. Now, um, tonight, we're going to look into the Bible's definition of church. And I assure you, the Bible is going to mess up some stereotypes again. It messed up mine. And again, remember, don't believe what I'm saying. Let's just look at what the Bible says. Whether we agree with it or believe it or not, it is what the Bible clearly says. So we're on page 80. It's actually the last session. It's session 15. What about the church? Now, when you think of, when you think of the church, what do you think about? When you think of the church... What do you think about? Uh, because there are popular misconceptions of the church, as uh, the church is, you'll see this on your, on your, uh, in your manual, the church is services. Like, when, you know, like, when do you have your church service? When do you, when do you have church? Uh, so it's when you have church, like it's services. Or the church is clergy, like it's just a small group of religious leaders who are kind of above everybody else, and they make all the decisions, the clergy. So the church is services, or the church is clergy, um, uh, or the church is a particular denomination. What kind of church do you go to? Um, or the church is a building. Where's your church? Um, but the church isn't a service, but the church has services. The church isn't leaders, but the church has leaders. The church isn't denominations, but there are church denominations. And the church isn't a location, but the church has locations where the church meets. And so tonight we talk about the church. And I just want you to just pull back to the original writing of the New Testament, which is in the Greek language, and see what does that word mean. And so I just kind of pick this up here. The word in the Greek is ekklesia. Now, you've heard of, you know, the ecclesiastical groups of the church and things like this. Well, ecclesia 
simply means called out ones, an assembly, a congregation, or a community of Christians in the context of the Christian church. So this word ek is the prefix, which means out, or out from, or out to, and the word klesia, which means call. So it means called out. So the church is called out ones. It's about a group of individuals. It's not a denomination. It's not a service. It's not a location. The church is people. The church is the people of God. Now, that's not to say we shouldn't or can't use the word in other, other connotations or other meetings. You know, where, where's your church meeting? I, I'm not going to say that we, we shouldn't do that. But I think it's important that we understand the base definition of church. And it's not service. It's not building. It's not denomination. Church, from God's definition, is people that are no longer in, in Adam, but are in Christ. The church is about those who are in Christ. And tonight we're going to talk about four points uh, as it pertains to the church. The church is God's body, it's God's home, it's God's people, and it's God's family. The church is not a building. That is not what the church is. So let's look at this first example. The church is the body of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, my, you know, in my tradition, when I thought of the body of Christ, I thought of one thing. When you think of the body of Christ, maybe you think of one thing. I thought of the host. I thought of a wafer. To me, that was the body of Christ. I didn't know anything more than that. But the church is the body of Christ. Let me just give you, just again, let's back this up with scripture. Paul writes to the church at Rome, the believers in Rome. He says, for as in one body, we have many members. One body, many members, and the members do not all have the same function. They have different gifts. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Now, what I want to kind of give you an illustration of this, and, I, and I, again, please don't, I hope you will not take offense at this. This is not meant to be communion, so do not misunderstand, please. If you don't get it, well, come see me. So let's say this, is, this piece of bread is one body, all right? Now, if I were to give this piece to you and 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 you and you. Okay, you with me? Okay. Um, where do those pieces come from? They come from one body. Okay, so when the Bible says the church is the body of Christ, it means that those who are in Christ receive in their salvation, they receive Christ. Christ is in us now, and we are in Christ. And so, so in one body, that is Christ, there are many of us who are in Christ. Members don't all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So if, 
if you are in Christ and you're uh, Catholic, or you're in Christ and you're Methodist, or you're in Christ and you're non-denominational, or you're in Christ and you're confused, if you're in Christ and whatever you are, you are in Christ coming from one body, but many members. There's no delineation in God's heart about those who are in Christ. If you're in Christ, you are in the church because the church is in you because the body of Christ is that which by the Holy Spirit gives us life. And so the Holy Spirit joins us together in Christ and makes us many members in one body. Yet there are local assemblies with different denominations, but from God's perspective, whether you're in this building called this or this building called that, or that building called the other, all that matters to God is that you're in Christ. That makes you one with him. That's the only thing that makes us one with him. And that makes us the church. Membership into Jesus' church comes as a result of being in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you may go into a, build, be, may go into a building that's called the church, but that doesn't make you the church. What makes you and me the church, the assembled ones, the called out ones, is being in Christ. And that, as we've talked about this weekend and last week, is the work of God's Holy Spirit that gives us new life. And when we receive that new life, we receive Christ's life by the Holy Spirit. And that makes us living members. See, the church, you know, again, get past all the brick and mortar and all that other stuff. The church is a living organism, right? Your body is a living organism. The church of Jesus Christ is alive because of Jesus Christ. And our life as called out ones is because the life of Christ is in us. So you and I can go to church our whole lives and die having never been the church or part of the church in Adam. People, and people do that. They could go to church their entire lives, still fraught with meology, never really surrendering to Christ. And as a result of that, not being a member of that one body, which makes all of us one in Christ. It's so important. See, let's all welcome Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Good to see you, buddy. You missed some really good stuff already, though. So. Uh, so, so, so do, do you see that? Do you think I'm nuts? Yes, okay, just everybody shake your head. Thank you. Um, okay, but I, but I hope that's clear. That's what makes us one. Christ being broken makes us one. God made him who was whole to be broken so that we who were broken could be made whole. That's what he did. And bread is a picture of the broken body of Christ so that you and I together are made whole, one in Christ. It doesn't matter if you and I agree on all points of doctrine or go to the same church, denomination. It doesn't matter. If you're in Christ, I'm in Christ, and that makes us one in Christ. Boy, that we would get that. 
But if I'm not in Christ, I can go to church till hell freezes over, which it's not going to do. And I will never be in Christ. I can go to church and pray all the prayers I want to pray. Put all the money in the basket I want to put in the basket. But I have, if I have not surrendered my life to Christ, I may be in a building. But I am in that building in Adam. That was me for many years. I hope that's clear. And if not, just take it up with your table host. Because that's, that's like, that's where they get paid the big bucks. So, and so what we see is what good, what good are disconnected body parts? I mean, connected body parts are beautiful. They really are. I mean, you see hand models and foot models and eye models and all these other things. But, I mean, imagine if you're just walking on the street and you see just a finger sitting on the street. You're not going to go, oh, what a beautiful finger. I've never quite seen a finger. You're going to be repulsed by that. Why? Because body parts are meant to be connected. They're beautiful, connected. They're alive when they're connected. If they're not connected, they're dying. And so we're meant to be meaningfully connected to one another. One body, many members, with what it, and the members don't all have the same function. They're different gifts. We talked about that a lot on Saturday. Um, so, so though many, we are one in Christ. That's, an, that's, that's amazing truth. It is only possible in Christ. And individually, look what it says. We are members one of another. We've got the same, if you will, blood flowing through us. The blood of Christ has made us one with him and one another. And that is great, great news. So the body people are called to be connected to one another. And the more we are connected to one another, the more vibrant our lives are together. So let's look at another. I'm going to pass that scripture for now. Um, the church is a home. Let's talk about that for, for a minute. The church is a home. I mean, this is a belonging. I mean, you think of home. Again, I know many of us may have grown up in dysfunctional homes and home is not a uh, I'm sorry if it's not a, a warm place of, or sense of belonging and safety, but the church is to be a place of belonging and safety because they're people that are in Christ, not perfect people, never said that, but people that have the Spirit of God living in them and the, and the church, the assembly of God's people is to be a safe place, a place of belonging it said in the old testament god called his people to build a house for him not because god needed like you could build a house big enough for god to live in but it wasn't that that god needed a place to live but he wanted his people to know that he was near them that he was with them so in the old testament god dwelled in a building made with hands in the New Testament, God dwells in a building that has hands. And that is you and me. He dwells in you and me. And in the New Testament, he calls us his house. We collectively assemble together, many members, but one are called his house. Shared the scripture with us on Saturday, I believe. Paul writes to the church in Corinth because they're forgetting who they are. He says, hey... 
Have you forgotten? Don't you know that your body is a temple, a dwelling place of the Spirit of God within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. So worship God in your bodies. Act like who you are. Because Christ and who he is has come to live in us to be the power that we can be with one another. As holy ones of God joined together, we can be who we are now in Christ with one another, with a different power source, as we talked about over the weekend. And then Peter writes this. I almost want to... I'm going to go back away from this because I want you to see something here in a minute. There are, there are some descriptors that God gives here. And again, um, this is foreign thinking. You and I don't think about these things. You read this scripture, and I've read this scripture over and over and over and over again, so I'm used to reading these scriptures. But I want you to be perplexed. <laughs> I want you to be, huh? I want you to be really. I hope what you're about to read here will affect you. Now, I know in one way it's going to affect us because we have, there's going to be a word that's going to be up here in a minute, and because of our, our, or our Catholic and our Episcopal traditions, we're going to, that's going to seem weird to us. But it's in the Bible. And I want to, so Peter is writing to all the members of the one body of Christ. That's who he's writing to. He's not writing to leaders and not writing to those who are new in their faith or whatever. He's writing to everyone. He's writing to all of us who are in Christ, regardless of maturity or anything else. Because remember, when we're in Christ, Christ is in us and he makes us one with him, one with one another. And some of us may be more mature than others, but we are no less. Not One is not more in Christ than another. You're either fully in Christ or you're fully in Adam. I've, 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 I've heard some people say, ah, I feel like I got one leg in Adam, one leg in Christ. No, you don't. With all, with all due respect, you're not half alive. You're not on life support here. You, are, you and I are either dead in Adam, separated from God, still in the clutches of the evil one, or we are in Christ. There's... there's there's no neutral ground for us New Orleanians. There's no median, if you're watching from some other place on the planet, that, that we're in Adam or we are in Christ. So look at what Peter says here. Um, I'm going to get to that scripture in a moment. He says, as you come to him, a living stone. Now he's calling Christ here a living stone, like the living stone, rejected by men, yes, but Christ in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Okay, you never read that scripture before, have you? Okay, what, the, what does that mean? But again, please be amazed by this. That God would say, if you're in Christ, this is who we are to him. As you come to him, to him, from Adam to Christ, he is... A living stone, Christ is. He was rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, like Christ, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. That means everyone who is in Christ is called 
I, I say this and you're going to go, what? A priest. Well, what is a priest? A priest is one who has access to God in and out at any time. And so if God calls you a priest, as if you have access to God at any time. I know our religious traditions have taught us priest and laity. Again, with all due respect to that, I'm just reading the Bible. All of us who are in Christ are being built up together as living stones, alive stones, kind of being built on one another. The older ones of us, they're younger ones that are being built up on top of the older ones, and and younger ones being built on top of them. We're just being built together as a house. The church as a living house with living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to to offer spiritual sacrifices. What are spiritual sacrifices? Well, the Jewish mind would think of goats, and bulls, and sheep, and a lot of bloody mess. Spiritual sacrifice is the offer of myself. Now that I am in Christ, acceptable to God, as I love the unlovable, as I love the lovable, as I do whatever I do now, saying no to my selfish desires, but yes to Christ, those God says and calls spiritual sacrifices. It's just letting Christ live in me. I'm saying no to me because I know I don't belong to myself anymore. I've been bought with a price. So I now get to do something I could never do before in the power of Christ's life. And, that, and those, offer, those sacrifices are acceptable to God. But God calls us. Again, check this out. Don't believe me. I'm going to give you another scripture in a moment. God calls us to be a holy priesthood, meaning before God, holy, and before God as his son and da- sons and daughters, fully acceptable to, to him. Wow. Living stones fitted together intentionally by God to those around us, to those supporting us, uh, to those who we will support And so when we see this, again, I'll bring this diagram back to us. Again, there's only two addresses. Okay, God sees only two races of people. God doesn't see black, brown, yellow, white. He doesn't see any of that. He sees in Adam and in Christ. That's it. I'm still still separated from God in my sins, trying to be my own savior. Or I have recognized I can't save myself and I have surrendered myself to Christ. So the dominion of darkness is where I am if I am in Adam. The kingdom of light if I am in Christ. So this is my house. And that is the church. The church is all who are in Christ. And so the church is a home. The church has an identity and a calling for those of us who have responded to the call of God's and the conviction of God's Holy Spirit. So the church is also, is people, the people of God. Now, the thing about people, I don't know if you notice this about people. We are screwy. Um, we, we make mistakes. We do stupid things, intentional and unintentional. And what I brought us tonight was a couple of, uh, 
I, I wish I'd have brought us more, but I didn't know how much time we'd have. So I wanted to bring you some, some actual faux pas from church bulletins, right? So, so the church is people, the people of God, but those people aren't perfect, particularly those who are type checking or editing church bulletins. Um, so here's one of them. Um, here we go. Ladies, remember the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget your husbands. <laughs> oh, the associate minister unveiled the church's new tithing campaign slogan last Sunday. I up my pledge, up yours. <laughs> Must be a church in New York, maybe. Um, ah, this being Easter Sunday, we'll ask Ms. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. <laughs> Can't imagine. I hope she was wearing a dress. A long dress, of course, a long dress. Oh, low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday at 7 to 8.30 p.m. Please use the back door. Oh, gosh, I think I've, I, I have so many more, but I had to contain myself. I think this is the last one. Oh, yeah. Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at Calvary Memorial Church in Racine. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. <laughs> Could you imagine? Does she have a microphone? or are we gonna... So anyway, okay, back to, uh, back to things. So let me just, let's just talk about this. The church is people. See, now all of here's we're going to go to first Peter again. And remember, all the epistles, right? We have the Gospels, then we have the book of Acts, which is the history of the first church. And then we have the epistles. The epistles or letters are written to those who are in Christ. And so we need to know that context. Well, here's what Peter writes again to every believer that is going to be reading this. He says, but you in Christ one's church are a chosen race. Okay, chosen by God, a race, no longer the race of Adam, but the race of Christ, no longer in the dominion of darkness under Satan's dominion, but in Christ. You're a chosen generation. You are a royal. Okay, what's royal mean? Kingly, right? A kingly or queenly, ladies, priesthood, a holy nation. A people for God's own possession. We read about that earlier. Don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? That, why is that? Okay, back. Why are you a chosen race? Why are you a royal priest? Why are you a holy nation? Why are people of God's own possession? Because God wanted to do that. He wanted to have a people for himself that he would call out from Adam's race and dump into Christ and Christ into them by the Holy Spirit. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, you were in Adam, but now you are the people of God who are in Christ. You had not received mercy if you were in Christ now, but now you have received mercy. If you're still in Adam, like I was in Adam, like everyone in this room at one time was in Adam, I have yet to receive the mercy of God that is extended to me. But if I am in Christ, I now have received mercy. I have received Christ, who is the embodiment of mercy. 
the God who is mercy has given himself to me. That I don't ingest physically and it comes out of me. He's, I've ingested him by his doing into my spirit. And he is always with me. He never decreases. And he has no reason to increase. I, by the work of the Holy Spirit, discover more of who he is in me and live more in the power of his life and not my own. He's made me all these things that I have the privilege of proclaiming how excellent he is in all of his doings who called me. There's that word ecclesia, called me out, called out of darkness from here to there. He wants us to know that. He truly wants us to know that. I, I was leaving a men's retreat in North Carolina uh, as uh, some guys were cleaning up this massive youth camp just north of Asheville. And this guy had a, had a shirt on. And I said, I've got to. May I take a picture of your shirt? I love this because we're talking about the church is the people of God, not a building, not a denomination. And this is the, here's his shirt. The church has left the building. I just thought, that is. I almost took it off his back. <laughs> just so good. So, so very good. Let's see if I, okay. All right, fourth, the church is family. So important. So important. How so? Well, let, let's just look and see what the Bible says as we're closing this up. Uh, related family. So here's what John writes. Everyone that believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Now, we've talked about now over these weeks, what does it mean to believe? It means to get in the wheelbarrow. It means to believe. It means to say, I do. It means to receive the gift. It's not just some mental assent. That's not the Bible's definition of the word believe. Everyone that believes, and that is by God's grace, that is by God's revelation of himself, that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one, the one God has sent to rescue us, has been born of God. So if you've been born of God, and you've been born of God, and many have been born of God, that means we have one father, and that means we're in one family. One family. Real quickly. To as many as received him. We've talked about this scripture in the past. You have it at your tables. To those who believe in his name, to them he gave the right to become children of God. One father, many kids, one family. One family, one church. Behold, we talked about this this weekend as well. What manner of love the father has given to us that we could be called the children of God. And such we are. If God could just for a nanosecond, just open our eyes, open real quick, close, and you and I could see something of the spirit world, you would never, I would never be able to read this again. To think that the God who has always been, who created time and space and this universe and every one of the multi-billions of souls that have ever lived and is fully aware of every one of the multi-billions of souls that have ever lived and knew the date they would be born, the date they would die, of every multi-billions of souls that have ever lived, says, I want you 
as my son. I want you as my daughter. If you and I could see for a moment the reality of that, beyond just words on a board, that the God who created all things, before there was time, the Bible says, knew you and chose you because he desired you to be a chosen race, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people of God's very own possession. You're that dear to him, that dear to him, family. I was going to skip this, but I'll read it right now. He came, Jesus came, and preached peace to you who were far away. Peace to those who were near. Were you far away in Adam or near in Adam? For through him we both have our access in one spirit, that is, in one spirit, in Christ, to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Over and over and over again, we get this this picture of family. Church is biblically characterized by intimate family descriptions, not distant and meaningless acquaintances of people who occasionally bump into one another on the way in the building or the way out of the building. Um, The church is about people who are related to each other. We share a spiritual family connection because we're in Christ. We're people not only related to one another, but people responsible for one another. Never alone. We are connected now and forever to one another. They are people in Christ who care about our well-being and our lives. That's a biblical church. Family, a biblical family, cares for itself. There's no such thing as an isolated, uh, called-out one. There's no such thing as an isolated, called-out one that's living a healthy life. You go out on your own, like a, a sheep wanders from the herd. You know what happens to that sheep? Uh, simple, uh, simple an- analogy is if you put a bunch of charcoal briquettes together and you light them up and one of those briquettes just as they always do, just kind of tumbles off to the side. What's that briquette going to do? Nothing. That's right. Briquettes are made to burn with, you know, with fire. And we've talked about that. Jesus, uh, John the Baptist said, when he comes, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire, a purity, a passion for him. And if there's a passion for him, guess what there's naturally going to be? A passion for others. Jesus said, love me, the great prayer, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which none of us can do with all, Jesus, okay, with all my heart, soul, mind, you mean all, like some, how about a percentage, 10%, 18%, no, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which I, in other words, you can't do it. Again, I have to throw up my hands and say, I can't do it. I cannot do this Without you, I need you if I'm going to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, the second one is like the first one. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know a good barometer is whether I'm loving God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength? If I'm loving you. That moment, if I'm loving you. And that's, that's, that's why God calls the church to be together. To be the church together, but also to tell others 
that they can be the church together, regardless of denomination or city or ethnicity or skin color, nationality. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're Indian or it doesn't matter if you're Pakistani. It doesn't matter if you're Canadian or Australian. If you're in Christ, we're all in Christ, a bunch of members in one body. We're all one in Christ. That's just simply what the Bible says. And I think a lot of a reason a lot of people, people get in trouble is because they don't enjoy and experience the fullness of what it means to be connected in Christ. The writer of the Hebrews says, let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own gathering or assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I am most healthy when I am most connected to those that I get to experience Christ and his life and his wisdom and his love from. That's when, in Christ, I am the healthiest, the healthiest. Um, and so I've got to ask this question. Um, look, many of us grew up going to, I'm just, forgive me, I'm just going to use the word, a church building with services. We wanted to find the closest church with the, clo- with the shortest service, with the best parking, so we could get in and get out as quickly as possible. Um, our pastor Keith Collins gives this fun analogy. He says, okay, I'm in my car. I'm looking for a great parking place. I get a great parking place. I go, I, I go into the building. Uh, somebody hands me uh, something. Um, I, I go in and I come out as quickly as I can, trying to see as few people as possible, just doing what I'm supposed to do, get back in my car and leave. He says, if I just described a going to a church service or shopping in Walmart. <laughs> and I can just tell you, attention Walmart shoppers, you think you're in church. And so this, this scripture helps. We are healthiest in Christ when we are most together. Not exclusively together. I'm not saying that. Okay, now, if you're in Christ, don't do anything outside of other believers in Christ. That is, look, please, if you think I'm saying that, that could not be further from the truth. Not further from the truth. I, if this is the truth, though, I want people to know this. Not by being in a, not by standing there with a megaphone and a big cross and, you know, repent. I'm not saying that. I hope my life and the joy of Christ that I have received and that you guys have experienced from your table hosts and others here serving and everything else has, has in some way communicated God's done something to these people. I don't think it's drugs, but he's done something to these people. Um, and it is Christ. He's the best drug that there is. There's no hangovers. Uh, there's no ODing. Uh, though I would be interested to know what that would feel like. But, but overcoming obstacles, it, it, it's so whatever our tradition of growing up has been, many people have told me this. You know, Frank, I've learned more 
when we did 10-week alphas. I've learned more in of 10 weeks of alpha than I have learned my entire religious life. Now, when I hear that, I don't go, oh, that's great. I go, I'm sorry. Again, I'm glad, I'm glad you're here, but I'm sorry that's your experience. And so my question has to be tonight as we, as we talk about what is the church, better said, who is the church? What's been your experience? Um, I, of course, I, we've all heard this, and I think this fits here. If you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll keep getting what you got. Now, so I know the beginning of Alpha, we said, look, this is not a church membership drive. We're not trying to get you to leave your church or denomination. We just want you to hear the gospel. And if God, you should hear God speak to you for you to be in Christ. At the same time, I would be less than honest with you to say, man, look, if you, if you go to the same church that you've been going to, but you haven't gotten anything, maybe you need to dig deeper there. Maybe you need to ask more questions. Hey, are there any Bible studies or any place where I can get more involved? But if there's not, could I just encourage you? Find yourself somewhere where there is. Because if you keep doing what you've been doing before Alpha, and you're still here, and I'm assuming there's some effect that God is having on you, you're just going to keep getting what you got. Maybe even worse, maybe you just get more and more cauterized to thinking Jesus is just all right with me, and he's not. I say he doesn't love you. Not saying that. But you're still, like I was, still in Adam. And so I, I, I'm really hopeful. I mean, this is, this is an introduction to Christianity. I mean, we've hardly, we've hardly kind of scratched the surface. And that's why I'm so excited to see so many of you coming to Beta. I really am so happy that so many of you are coming to Beta. And if, if you're not signed up and you'd like to come, we start next week, dinner. Unfortunately, there is no child care, which I'm so sorry about. Um, if there's any way you can come if you've got kids and can put them somewhere you know, lock, no, I'm not saying lock them in the bedroom or something, but, but, um, but here's the thing. I mean, life in the dash is too short, and life in, the lo- in the, life in the line is too long to be more, tra- voted, to be more devoted to tradition, even religious tradition, than being devoted to the Bible and its clear declarations. Again, I'll, cl- I'll close with this. C.S. Lewis, bring him back, our final comments. He says, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is I was made for another world. I believe many of you here, that was my experience, if Alpha's done anything, it has accentuated, I think, this. I didn't know what it was, but I knew something was missing. And now I'm hearing about the love of a God that I had no idea loved me unconditionally in spite of me, always in spite of me. But that he wanted me to experience, as Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it fully. And like Lewis says, if I find in myself and every one of us, if we're paying attention, will find in ourselves a desire which no experience 
in this world can satisfy. I think you'll agree with this. I hope you will. The most probable experience is that I, explanation is that I was made for another world. Well, if I was made for another world, what does that have to do with me? And how do I get to understand what that is? Well, you've been here all these weeks of Alpha. And God's intention for each and every one of us is to receive the gift, get in the wheelbarrow, surrender to him, and then say, okay, what's next, God? What's next? Just If he's brought you here, he will bring you wherever, and he will make it clear to you. I'm telling you, I promise you that. I don't promise you that based on my story. I promise based on the story of so many people in this room that I know and so many people outside of this room that I know. He is faithful. Paul writes this. He says, he who began this good work in you of putting you into Christ will complete it until the day we see him face to face. So thank you. I just thank you guys so much for being with us over these eight weeks. Hope you'll join us for beta. If, you, if you're wondering, some people want to know, when's the next alpha? Um, it is February 28th. <laughs> um, but I hope and pray, even if you can only come for a couple of weeks of beta, please join us. We're going to study a small epistle, a uh, small letter um, to the church at Ephesus. And I think you'll really enjoy that. Dinner will be served. Uh, a, lot of, a lot more conversation around the tables than that we typically have. So um, can I do this? I'd like, of course, you're not going to stop me. Um, <laughs> let's pray and I'll close. Lord, thank you for, for new friends. Thank you for whatever you have done to us in these last eight weeks. Lord, sometimes your, your revelations are time-released. We don't realize for weeks or months, maybe even years of what you were doing until you decide to pull back the curtains and we see. Uh, There are many things that you have done, Lord, that I know and I'm so grateful for. Many things you've done in the lives of many of us here that have taken us out of Adam and placed us into Christ and given us new life. How, How can we begin to thank you for rescuing us from ourselves? Not just now, but forever. And God, how we pray and I pray for everyone in this room. Lord, to have an ever-increasing hunger and awareness of your love. And that everyone in this room would see and desire the gift that you are, that you give freely. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all for being here. Let's take a quick break and uh, get back to our tables.